Yeah, say that again louder. And like more enthusiastically. Well, <laughs> like less hungover. <laughs> Okay, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> Humanism is doing good without God, and our agenda is to educate ourselves to become better people. Alright, so let's talk about Pride. Pride is our episode this month, so happy Pride everyone. Pride started in 1969 with the Stonewall riots, so I don't know if you guys know anything about Stonewall, but it happened because of police raids that were going on at the time. So police were going into bars, um, arresting people, and then they would march them out to the police vans outside and the newspapers would be there. They'd take pictures and publish it in the news the next day. So they were essentially shaming people, outing them, putting them in jail. So there was one night in 1969 where the queer community decided they had had enough. So from what I read about Stonewall, it's that the raid happened at a time that wasn't expected. So these raids didn't always happen unexpectedly. Like sometimes, usually usually the bar owners knew that the raid would happen before the bars got really busy so that they could have their business and that sort of thing. But this time they didn't really give any notice and they just came in and just started arresting people and the queer people decided to fight back. So uh, trans people, drag queens were being loaded into cop cars and they decided to start shouting at the police and they threw stuff at the police and they were fighting back and then other bars kind of joined in the fight. And then the next night there were thousands of people that came to Stonewall, the bar, and uh, they were rioting again and they were in the streets and really trying to get notice and get rights and all of that stuff. So the next year on the anniversary of the Stonewall riot, they decided to have a march in the streets. And that's kind of where the Pride, Pride Parade started and what we know now as the Pride Parade. Was it originally just the queer community riding or, or did the people from the other bars that came to help out were, was that people both in and outside of the queer community that was rallying? I'm not sure. I think that it was majority queer people, but then I know that I read some other people that were just sort of allies that came out. Okay. And was ally kind of like, was that a, even a term back then? Or? No. No? <laughs> I okay. doubt it. So just, just <laughs> I people, you know. That's definitely a modern term, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, speaking of terms, I think we have some terms we want to yes. define. Oh, I have yes. a crash course on terminology for all of you people out there who don't really know every Myself term we're going to use. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, first one is LGBT. So it's an acronym for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. Now the term is much longer, so I think it's like LGBTQIA2. Plus. Plus. <laughs> yeah, so there's too many letters now. I think we got a little carried away with ourselves, but we do want to include all of the sexualities and the diversity and the spectrum and all of that. Uh, for the use of this podcast, we're just going to use LGBT just because it's shorter, easier to say. Uh, we also have straight or hetero. So that's just people that are consider themselves to be heterosexual people. So they identify as heterosexual. Then we have queer. So queer has two kinds of terms. Uh, one could be to refer to the LGBT community as a whole. Or it's also a word that has been reclaimed because it used to be a really bad word to use the word queer. 
but a lot of people in the LGBT community have reclaimed it and decided that it is a word that it, it's like an anti-label. So if somebody wants to be a part of the community or is a part of the LGBT community and they don't really fit into one category, they can decide that they're just queer or they don't want to label themselves. So like they decide that they're asexual queer. or are you, you know, does that also fit into the LGBT Q? Yes. It does? Okay. Yeah, so there's like ase- asexual, pansexual, uh, intersex, uh, two-spirit, like there's okay. tons of different ones. Definitely go research. There's lots of stuff out is there. Is it pretty much anything that isn't heterosexual or are there cutoffs like like, like within that? So are there, are there certain definitions that would be excluded from that? Or do you think uh, queer could just be defined as anything that is, is not rigidly defined within the heterosexual framework? Oh, so I'm saying, I'm saying, so is it pretty much just like you are either like straight and or heterosexual or everything else, any, or anything <laughs> else? Like, I'm, just, I'm wondering why there's such a specific, you know, uh, definition of, of all of the different types uh, that may, that leads me to believe that there are certain types that wouldn't be included under the definition. Otherwise, why wouldn't you just say anything that isn't heterosexual? I think people want to also have some specificity in okay. their definition. So, I, you know, I, I, I would assume like an intersex person might be a different label than maybe asexual. And so there, there's a, let's call it different niches of uh, okay. um, uh, different sexualities or, um, or, or non-heterosexual labels that but Has anyone been, is it, is it can be included in that? I, I would assume so. I, I think the, the, the term is trying to be as inclusive and kind of wrap itself around uh, a lot of these other more niche uh, labels that have popped up over the years. So to me, I, I, I've always viewed queer as kind of being very all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that kind of use the word queer as well to kind of say it kind of includes everything. Okay, yeah. All right, so that was queer. We also have gay. So gay can mean two things again. So it can mean a male attracted to a male. Uh, it can also be another word that we use as an encompassing word. So it just means the whole community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's also transgender. So individuals who don't identify with their assigned sex at birth. So they're born as male or female. Uh, they don't identify that way. And... Therefore, they become, possibly become another gender. They can make that decision on their own. What is the difference between transsexual and transgender? Transsexual, I think, was a term that that was sort of used to identify transgender people and drag queens. So drag queens are people that dress up as the opposite gender for performance and for art. Yeah. Um... And it was an older term that was used to encompass both of those, but it's, but transgender people are diff, like they're their own set of people, whereas drag queens are doing something completely different. But they're not mutually exclusive. So you can be a drag queen who is also transgender. Yes. Okay. But being yeah. a drag queen doesn't necessarily mean that you're transgender and. Vice yes. Versa. Yeah. That's news to me. <laughs> I learned something. Because it's really not acceptable anymore to use the word transsexual. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What if someone wants to identify as transsexual? If, like, I think that would be up to the person. If Because we have reclaimed so many words. 
a lot of people say they have reclaimed the word faggot, and I don't agree that we've reclaimed it, but hmm. if they believe that they've reclaimed it, then they're, I, I would give them permission to use that word. And but that's how only, words get reclaimed, Yeah, right? Presumably, it's not like everyone just instantly, suddenly agrees that this word is reclaimed. It, it's by people who are claiming it's reclaimed before the majority of people agree with them, and then it's a slow process toward it, the majority ending up agreeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, over time, it, I mean, it loses its uh, its power, right? It's yeah. a mm-hmm. negative association. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, if a person would like to use that word, that is their choice. But they would have to be in the position of they are that person. So, if somebody is transgender, they want to use the word transsexual. And I think there are people who do use that word. Okay. But I would never use it, okay. and it would be up to them. Is this like, are these rules like written down somewhere or is it like a well prescribed to like, you know, thing within, within the queer community or is, is it more like everyone has their own kind of definitions? It's actually in the gay agenda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the other podcast. <laughs> Have you not read the gay agenda? You did not prepare well for no, today. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's more, it's more a cultural thing that like. Yeah, people just decide on. It's like the N-word. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we know not to use the word as a cultural decision, right? So, yeah. And, and do you think it's similar in Canada and U.S. and other places that would have a very, like the, the communities in those countries would have a very similar, actually that, that's a different question. Um, sorry to be rambled, but uh, would you say that the gay community is a global community or is it more specific to individual countries? Well, I think each country definitely is in different stages of uh, acceptance, right? Okay. So uh, definitely in the North American, European countries, I think we might have very similar terms and similar definitions and similar segmentations. But okay. um, I think definitely in other countries, uh, the segmentation is much more limited and it's kind of just either good or bad. <laughs> okay. That's basically their yeah. definition. I feel like it also still depends where you are in North America or where you are in Europe. Like, like Texas or something. If you think of further south in the Bible Belt, it's probably not the same kind of community as mm. up here. And I would hate to say that all gay communities around the world are the same. <laughs> like, I think that we are similar, but right. definitely, like, you know, every community around the world is different. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, they may have their own social norms. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next word. We have cisgender. This is kind of a new concept that's come up uh, recently. So it's about if somebody identifies with their assigned sex of birth. So I was born a woman. I identify as a woman. I am a cisgender person. The talking about the closet or coming out is another term. It's the process of acknowledging your sexuality. So if somebody's gay, they want to come out of the closet that sort of thing. The closet is where you hide and don't tell your sexuality and coming out is, is being open about it. Uh, another term is heteronormativity and this is a new one as well. It's the belief that heterosexuality is the only norm or orientation. So for example, um, if I tell somebody I'm getting married and they ask me what my husband's name is, that would be heteronormativity, assuming that I am marrying a man, and that is the only gender that I could be marrying because I am a woman. Is is that what that's assuming, or could it perhaps be just a mistake? Like, 
I know that I could perhaps make make that mistake by asking somebody that, but I don't think I would say I assume that that's the only orientation. But by assuming it with me, like it's it's assuming it that I am, right? Mm -hmm. And being shocked when I'm not. So I don't know how to explain it very well. I don't know if you want to tackle that. Well, I think, I mean, if I were to, I understand like why obviously certain people will make assumptions. I think it's clear the LGBT community is a smaller fraction compared right. to mm -hmm. everyone else. So like there, there is a statistical uh, likelihood that you are correct if you make an assumption. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think generally now a lot of uh, people are starting to become a little bit more aware uh, that that's not a you know a hundred percent chance that you will get it correct. Uh, so uh, a lot of the guidance now is always not to try to make assumptions. Um, I, I understand why people do make certain assumptions, but I think generally the guidance now is really try not to make an assumption. And, mm -hmm. So um, the, does heteronormativity mean that you think that it is the only orientation or does it, is it more just like an inclination to, uh, to, to make that assumption as normal? So it, it's like you, th you, you think, well, it's normal to be this way, therefore I make that assumption, but without making the separate claim that you think it's the only orientation? Or, or does heteronormativity means specifically you, you do think there's only the one option and that, that's the distinction i'm trying to make so i'm trying to think when when is it appropriate to say something like someone that was being heteronormative like you know is is it just somebody assuming that it's normal or or, or only thinking within i guess that air quotes normal framework uh for relationships or is it more directly what you said about how it it's only if you think that's the only orientation I think it's more assumptions based on our society's idea that boys wear blue and girls wear pink and uh, girls marry boys and boys marry girls and like there's only this one concept that we have. Like not on average, but like that is the way that it is and your daughter, so I guess if I said no, your daughter cannot play with Tonka trucks, that would be a good example of heteronormativity, yeah. but where if I said oh, you know, like, uh, I got your daughter a Barbie, you know, for her birthday. That wouldn't necessarily be heteronormativity because you're not saying that she can't play with a Tonka truck. You're just, you just assumed that she would want the Barbie? Or is that also heteronormativity? I think that's also heteronormativity. I think it's on a scale. Like, the one is extreme, whereas the other one is more like playing into a heteronormative culture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I would classify as a heteronormative as well. I mean, I I know kids that are you know well boys that play with trucks and also play with dolls. But yeah. to assume that you're giving a gift, you're just gonna give trucks is the only thing that this uh, boy wants. I, but like I, I, when I, you I, walk into a toy yeah. store, the fact that there's a boy section and a girl section, and the boy section is blue and the girl section is pink—that's heteronormative. Heteronormative culture, I would say, yeah. Is that sure. is that interpreted within the, the queer community as being like a negative thing, in, in all cases, or is it more like only the extreme cases are are deemed to be a negative? I think we would like to change all cases. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that people feel more comfortable, so that you know boys feel more comfortable playing with dolls, and it's not a negative uh, consequence. Yeah, I think it's just really just trying to uh, change the culture a little bit in terms of trying to not. Be so rigid. Yeah, be so rigid. Put boys and you know, 
this uh, category of toys, for example, or clothing and whatever other uh, uh, items, but and put girls in a different category. I think it's just trying to create a culture where boys and girls can pick whatever whatever they want without feeling any pressure. Without feeling pressure, without feeling guilt. Same goes for when we're talking about pride, about what men and women choosing um, their orientations or their genders to make it not be this negative consequence in society. Okay. So we have a few discussion questions. Or so. did, did we have other other uh, terms? That's all the terms I got. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're all good. You now know everything you need to know about any word we're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, so uh, we have some a few discussion questions um, that we might talk about today. I, I think one of the first questions uh, that we want to maybe discuss is there's a pride parade that usually happens around this time of the year uh, and there's a question on why do we even need a pride parade so that's the question on the table right now I would assume there's a certain group of people that might think having a straight parade would make sense uh, but <laughs> You um, laugh, but people people, people on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. they come up with this idea that they need a straight parade. Well, if they wanted one, I don't think I would stop them, but I definitely would say there's different needs. I mean, just to say... You just that... wouldn't know what a straight parade would consist of. <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's kind of like... walking, like... Like Black Lives Matter, but so do all lives, you know? Like, oh, boy. like I, obviously, there's very different needs, but uh, I, I think the... The one thought I always have when someone says that is, is it, I mean, yes, there might be a, a parade or maybe a, like a pride week that kind of celebrates all this, but every other day it's a kind of a celebration of every, of, you know, that's why it goes back to heteronormative conversations because every other day it's kind of a straight day. <laughs> <laughs> a straight parade would be like having an atheist parade. You know, where it's kind of like the absence of something that's no, like no, I unique. No, I mean, I know what you're getting at, but I feel like atheism is stigmatized within the society. So if we're asking why do we have a pride parade, and if it's to reduce that stigmatization, then I think actually atheist an atheist parade would be a better example of the type of parade that the pride parade is. I was thinking more of like celebrating something, celebrating something. You know, like how people have like. You know, Greek fest and like food fest, you know, you're celebrating something. So, um, the one thought I had as well was uh, kind of thinking back to why the Pride Parade even existed. And um, the Pride Parade was pretty political, like back when it just first started, uh, LGBT people did not have any uh, rights, they weren't protected classes. And Having the parade was a form of uh, protest, was a form of um, political action, and it's kind of morphed into something else uh, nowadays. But really, the the start of the parade was really around creating a political action to um, to fight for their rights and try to change society. So, having this parade definitely had a meaning to a lot of people and it's kind of evolved over time but I think it's good to kind of understand why the parade even started in the first place and it all relates back to what you talked about Sherry around starting to stonewall uh, LGBT people 
uh, demanding rights and it kind of just started from there and evolved over time to something a little bit more fun, let's call hmm. it. It's interesting because the community can get so polarized sometimes because people are very passionate about the fact that uh, the Pride Parade started as a riot. Mm -hmm. So people are now saying they don't like the way the parade is now because it's so corporate and it's so manufactured and we need to have our own separate parade that is a riot and keep fighting for those rights and and that sort of thing. People can get so passionate about it. I don't it. think I agree with riots and getting messages across. Like, I don't even know if that would be effective. I Maybe that would just increase the polarization within I, the community. Yeah, I understand the idea that it is very commercial now. And I think it, I think a parade is still kind of, like, has that function of, like, you know, reducing stigma and showing that it's, like, a welcome community. So I think, as of right now, it still serves that function. But I guess my question is if you think that, like, in the future, a pride parade will still be necessary, you know? Mm -hmm. I actually, personally, I think it's a good thing it's starting to become commercial, uh, but that's just, again, my mm. personal opinion, but primarily because it shows a evolution of what the parade is, and this action was activism in the beginning, and over time, as we start gaining acceptance, I mean, money speaks a lot of words, and as corporations kind of get in on the parade, and it continues to at least give the image of acceptance mm -hmm. in the community, I, I think there's a lot of benefit, and we're now we now have a generation of kids who know about the parade, don't view the parade as something uh, negative, and I think that's a good thing. We're kind of moving towards a direction towards acceptance, and I, I know definitely there's still a long ways to go, but to me, I kind of view it as a positive thing that it is starting to you know you have all these companies um, uh, funding parades and showing employees, for example, that it is accepted, you can be who you are, and obviously you can do business with them because that's really what they're trying to advertise. But they want to create an environment and try to also show that whoever you are, you're willing, they're willing to kind of accept your business. And uh, I think uh, we recently had issues in the U.S. around the bakery. uh, bakeries, <laughs> right? not providing services. And I think even having any corporation kind of uh, show this, uh, having corporations participate in the Pride Parade really sends a strong message to employees that LGBT, LGBT people are accepted and any discrimination is definitely unacceptable and definitely grounds for losing your job. And I think mm -hmm. setting these uh, expectations and in the market and in the community sends a really powerful message to a lot of people who may be bigoted and may not want to provide LGBT people with rights. Yeah, it kind of put, puts a pressure on those bigoted people, you know, where suddenly they start to feel that those negative social consequences for being bigoted, as opposed to, you know, it is like flipping the coin, you know, instead of uh, people of the LGBT community feeling the pressure societally for being the way that they are, you know, or now, the pressure's on the bigoted people. Yeah, and uh, I think LGBT people uh, are a small fraction of the whole population. And really, at the end of the day, when you look at uh, how rights are given, how acceptance is given, you need the, the mass of people. You need the acceptance of a huge, of the overall community. And you, uh, LGBT people need allies. And uh, to me, the parade, corporate sponsorships, these are just actions that 
continue to build this uh, network of allies that will eventually help protect LGBT rights because you, at the end of the day, you do need a, a pretty large mass of people to mm -hmm. uh, support and protect LGBT rights. And there have been some cases recently of organizations coming to the aid of LGBT people. So last year in Texas, they uh, passed a bathroom bill where you have to, or you're only allowed to go to the bathroom that is of your indicated uh, sex on your birth certificate. So trans people would not be allowed to go to the bathroom of their choice. And a whole bunch of organizations spoke out against it. Uh, I think it was about 80 organizations put pressure on the Texas government to repeal that law. Um, and the NCAA basketball organization said, we're not going to have our tournament there unless you guys change this. Mm -hmm. And it, it changed everything. Like it was, it was great support and it was you know, monumental for the LGBT movement. However, to play the devil's advocate to that is that corporations now are making a lot of money off of pride. So you go to so many websites of stores like, um, you know, Target has a pride line. So they're making all these pride merchandise and they're making money off of it now. So they're making money off of our LGBT struggles, right? So that's where you get that issue of corporations coming into the parade, selling their merch, and then getting money off of something that was hugely oppressive. I feel like that's done in a lot of situations though. Same with like the Pink Ribbon. There's a whole documentary, Pink Ribbon Incorporation, saying that a lot of money doesn't actually go to cancer research. And I would say a lot of like, you know, this bag is green and like green products, like all that money also doesn't go to those initiatives. So I think that's just gonna be something that corporations continue to do. And it's unfortunate, but I think as long as they're still kind of putting some of the money where their mouth is, it's still the best that we can make. Yeah, personally, uh, I guess also a devil's advocate that position. Um, but I do think this is a position I actually hold. Uh, I don't see any problem with corporations, you know, making money so long, because I'm more of a utilitarian, so long as the net benefit is positive. You know, I'm, not, I'm not somebody who would personally bother too much with, with the ethics of it. Like say, well, I want my solution to happen only in the most ethical of possible ways. You know, like I, I, I personally would, would throw my lot in with, with the first solution that seemed legitimate, regardless of if someone else actually benefits from it. And honestly, personally, I think I would rather see the, the queer community thrive and corporations make money than only the first, because, you know, I see those two benefits. And, and I'd just be personally less inclined to draw a negative ethical connection between how that money is being generated, unless it was negatively affecting the private movement. Yeah, and the definitely the, the example of you know corporations fighting back on the bathroom bill. I mean that that is a really good sign. I mean, like money speaks volume in <laughs> politics, unfortunately. And and I think it's it's quite if, if we can attack the problem in multiple ways through activism, through corporations. I mean, this is this is perfect because we're forcing or pushing. Our society forwards in the in the direction we want it to move towards. And, as and, long as we hold those organizations accountable. Yeah. So yeah. I well, think that I think we can I think there's that. there's there's definitely you can create a situation where it is a win win. And yes, you know, there's corporations that profit from pride, but 
certain corporations will also give back as well. So I noticed you're an Apple uh, pride band there. A portion of those proceeds do go to LGBT causes. So I, I think there's ways where both sides can essentially benefit. But no free riders is kind of it's kind of what I'm getting from that. So no making money off of a, off of the community if if you don't provide some kind of benefit to the community as well. I think that what we talk about about donating proceeds to the community is one thing, but also having a inclusive environment. I think that's important. So I think if a if a corporation is going to participate in the pride parade or sell pride merchandise, then they have to practice what they preach, right? They have to be able to have that inclusive environment because otherwise you're profiting off of our our struggles, our oppression. I don't think that's right. Is, well, yeah. is there an example of a corporation that that is benefiting from pride but don't necessarily help the community? Potentially, like offshore, like international companies that are producing a lot of little pride flags and pride bracelets and probably don't have an inclusive environment. A lot of that stuff comes from China. Yeah, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know how the movement's there, but like wasn't picturing a really big community there. Yeah, it's not great in China. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's the benefit of, of going after those companies, though? I, I guess there's, like, a, there's an ethic there. I, I don't understand, like, personally, like, I don't understand that ethic. If you, like, like why, why do you feel that that's an important ethic? I just don't think that we should support companies that don't, that pra- yeah, that practice discrimination or that practice. Well, that's that's different. I, I'm not I'm not assuming uh, a corporation is is doing some kind of a negative, uh, you, you know, against the community. I'm I'm just thinking more like of a neutral company. But she's saying that there is really no neutral. Either you are inclusive or you're not inclusive. You don't need to give money as long as you're inclusive. You're in the good books. Okay, so I can agree that it's bad that the company wouldn't be inclusive, and that we would want to pressure all companies to be inclusive. Uh, I don't, I don't understand why, you know, the added layer of, you know, making money off of off of pride increases the negative of not being inclusive. I think that the, the issue is that they aren't inclusive, and we need them to become inclusive. But I don't think it necessarily makes it worse. On on my view, to to not be inclusive and to make money, like I, I guess it's it's hypocritical, but I, I guess I just I, I would care more about trying to pr- promote the, the the gay community than I would about chasing after all of these peripheral, you know, ethical concerns. Unless you felt there was a direct connection, which I can imagine there could be. I think we might have to also limit the scope. I can see the example of maybe offshore manufacturing. Okay, maybe that there's some ethical dilemmas there. Uh, I think participants in the parade, there's a pretty high likelihood they're all pretty inclusive. But when it comes to these, uh, like going back to the example of offshore manufacturing, I think this is where having activism take a role in validating the source of the components, source of uh, manufacturing, and whether the manufacturer is compliant with our view of how uh, human rights should actually be provided to people and employees. I think that's where activism activism might take a place. And going back to, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of corporations will validate uh, their supply chain for various 
issues, either uh, child slavery, things like that. But uh, I don't know to what extent people would validate if they were manufacturing something related to pride, would they actually validate that the manufacturer's corporate policy is inclusive? I think that's a good point in terms of I don't I haven't seen any uh, discussion around validating that. Yeah. I've seen discussions around validating uh, manufacturers and uh, sourcing materials from places where there is child slavery, for example. So LGBT inclusiveness. I don't think I've heard of that as kind of being one of the metrics that's measured. So we're talking a bit about who is allowed to participate in the parade, which gets us on to another very controversial topic, which is police presence in the parades. Uh, this year, London has decided that the police can march, but not in uniform. So in London, the police chief made a statement saying that he was disappointed that uniformed officers won't march in the Pride Parade, but they can march as ununiformed people. Can they march as, like, po- like part of the police, like the organization, or just, like... They're allowed to be, but independent or some other organization. That's a good question. Because, like, otherwise, that'd be really horrible. Like, for example, like last year in Toronto, where the police weren't allowed. So there's definitely some like LGBT people in the police force. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't exclude them from a pride parade. Well, it's definitely in Toronto, those police officers are being excluded. Even um, the ones as long, but but they can be. They can march as long as they're not in, in uniform. uniform. Okay. So I think the there's an allowance for people who are not in uniform, but they're not allowing police officers who are uniform march. Obviously, they're, there's working police officers, but they're not marching, obviously. Yeah. The rationalization on that is that uh, police have taken a negative role in LGBT communities and continue to, especially people of color, uh, indigenous population, that feel uncomfortable going to parades, pride parades, because the police are marching in uniform. Oh, really? Are those two separate mm-hmm. issues, though? Or I like, don't know. The issue, the the thing with that is that we have this interconnectivity, right? So you can't take away your color and your LGBT status. Yeah. It's all part of one, right? Everyone's diverse. Yeah, and the the other issue is that people of color who are LGBT are more targeted than just people of color. So, like, people who are trans are often targeted, but also pe- uh, trans women of color are even more targeted than just being trans. I, I think that the goal of the parade, there, there's two main goals of the parade. One is to strategically incorporate the gay community into the grand society and reduce stigmas, reduce, you know, all of that. And the other goal is to provide like an emotional satisfaction to those within the community and emotional protection and, and, and all of that. So with the example of police, do we include them? Well, for the one goal, yes, we shouldn't, sorry, for the first goal of being strategic with accomplishing, you know, general acceptance for the gay community, and reducing police brutality and all of that, well, yes, we should include them because by excluding them, we're only going to further polarize, you know, the divide between the gay community and the police force. But on the other side of things, you know, you're going to, you're, you would be reducing the emotional satisfaction that those in the parade are, that some of those in the parade are getting from being in the parade because now they feel like their enemy is is kind of 
you know, tainting an environment that was pure to them before. Do you, do you, do you understand the conflict between those And a those safety peoples? in the parade, because a lot of people sort of find that safety of, this is where I can finally express myself. Right. Yeah. And the, the complication with the police being in the parade is that there are some people who are police officers who are also gay. Yeah. And so by saying that you can't march as a police officer in the parade means you're kind of ignoring their identity. Because so they it's also not two cultures, and the, they're in for their world, their cultures have blended well. Mm-hmm. No. So it's not it's uh, ignoring their identity and saying you can't be comfortable in the parade. We want to make everyone else comfortable. So yeah. who gets to be comfortable is the is the bigger question. So you would assume that the goal of the parade is is to create a, an environment of comfortability, even if it's at the trade off or the cost of the effectiveness of the movement and reducing tensions between the police force and the gay community. But remember, the uh, I think one of the arguments that uh, activists would give here would be, I mean, pride is a political event. Uh, that's, right. that's the root of it. So uh, by causing both. This, how, why does it have to be one or the other? Because there are trade-offs, and I'm not saying it has to be one or the other, but I think there are certain circumstances where you end up with having to choose between a trade-off. Like, for the example, do you include the police? By not including the police, you're, you're, you, the trade-off is, well, now you're increasing the polarization between the police force and the gay community, um, you're increasing the hostility, and, and you're kind of burning some bridges toward you know, holding hands and coming to common ground. But obviously the reason why you would want to exclude them is for the emotional comfort of those in the parade. So you have, really do, in this case, have to choose to either include the police or not. And, and there's a trade-off between the emotional comfort of those in the parade and the effectiveness of the movement at reducing hostility between police and, and the gay community. And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my, again, my personal opinion is uh, police should be included primarily because uh, I, I totally understand where uh, there is a conflict, but at the end of the day, really creating this safe space, in my opinion, uh, for both parties is ideal. It's um, more important? For me, it's more important. So, I mean, I would want to view Pride as a safe space for uniformed police officers if they wanted to participate in the parade mm-hmm. to be there. But I also would expect people to send a pretty strong mm-hmm. message during the parade about about the messages that Black Lives Matter is trying to communicate in terms of queer people of color being targeted disproportionately uh, compared to non-people of color. So uh, I would expect both to uh, have a place in Pride, but I obviously I, I can see why obviously Black Lives Matter really want to get a, send a pretty strong message. So- Kind of just like you, maybe your view would be, you know, you're welcome to the parade, but we're going to make it clear to you that we expect more from our police forces. You got to say that, or uh, like we want to work with you, but we're not there yet. Like we expect more from you, and we need to keep working on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would say that message is pretty clear to the police. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of uh, pushback to the police during this time. So I think the message is clear, but. Are we there yet? Obviously not. I mean, there's still quite a lot of work to be done, but I don't think this is something that can be solved, you know, overnight. Yeah. I think that message is being sent by saying you can march in the parade, but you just can't march in uniform. So until we have the safety and security that you are supposed to provide to us, then you can march in uniform. But until until that point, you can't march in uniform. Yeah. 
Okay. Doesn't mean you can't participate, you just can't participate in that way. So I guess if that's communicated well, then there doesn't have to be a trade-off. Because, uh, you know, cause as I, I guess the, the, the key is just not antagonizing the police force or making them think that it's an us versus them situation where, you know, we aren't including you. Because anytime that somebody says, you know, you can't sit with us, like the, the psychological reaction to that is going to be, okay, I didn't want to anyway. You know, like, uh, fine, you know. So, so, you know, it, it's obviously important not to give off that message, perhaps unintentionally. You have to walk, a, it's a very fine line to walk to, yeah. to send that message. Because I know, like, the police chief in London, when he made his statement, said, like, he understands why they're not marching in uniform and that there are issues in the people of color sectors and the, you know, those sorts of things, the indigenous. And it's it's tough because you've got the police chief and, and he says he understands it, and then but then you've got a whole police force. So it's making sure that everyone on the police force understands that this is kind of our way to help enact change mm-hmm. because i didn't get that mm-hmm. i i never i never view that way and the people i've spoken with about it outside the, of that community um you know i don't i don't think that those people saw it that way either so i thought it was really sad i was at the toronto pride parade last year and there was a group of police officers like outside of the parade pathway kind of being like hey like please include us and they had some posters saying you know you can't make a rainbow without blue Something like that. And it was, it was, I thought it was kind of sweet that they had still come to show their support for the Pride Parade, even though they weren't invited. I thought it was sweet. Other people may not have thought of it like that. Yeah, I I really don't agree with completely saying you can't join us in the parade. I think that the parade is made to be inclusive Mm -hmm. and that all the LGBT community really wants is inclusivity and tolerance. And so to say that we are not tolerant of police officers, we are not including them, is a bit of a hypocrisy in a way. And I think that we need to work with them. We can't pit ourselves against them. Well, you need all the allies you can get. And the last thing you want to do is, is you know polarize against people who might otherwise want to be your allies, especially if they're in a position to maybe you know make a change. Mm-hmm from within the police force themselves. You know, it's those good members who want to come out who are ultimately going to be spreading the message to the rest of the officers on what's, what's you know, permissible behavior. So Yeah, when you look at the parade, I mean, there's various groups that um, may not share similar views within the parade. And we never really, I mean, we don't have an issue there, obviously, due to the location of where people are placed and things like that. But pride is... The perfect uh, location to not only demonstrate that we can have different opinions, we might there definitely is conflict between different groups, but pride is also a opportunity to share those opposing views and to get the message out about some of these uh, social issues that still need to be tackled, especially people of color. I think it's police brutality. Yeah, I think it's comparable to having churches in the parade. The church has done so much damage to the LGBT people. Churches, some churches, still um, still agree and encourage conversion therapy, which is awful. The American Psychological Association has condemned it, and yet we are allowing churches to participate in yeah. in our parade. But I think the churches that are in the parade are the ones that aren't doing that thing, I would think. <laughs> there's, there's got to be a difference between you know historical you know grievances against certain corporations um, and the current state you know because nobody would want to say you were once bad 
therefore you will always be deemed as that. You know, uh, I, I think that it, it's a positive, so long as they're actually making positive changes and they're no longer that organization that did those things. I would fight against what I think some people have this intuitive reaction to exclude them because of their past behavior. I, I did, that's, that's just another example, I think, where you have this, that conflict that's talking about between what's effective for creating a positive change in society and what might be emotionally desirable for those members. Yeah. But definitely remember the exclusion here is not for past behavior, but ongoing okay. behavior. Yeah, not completely so. reasonable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think that you could compare that to the police saying, like, if you looked at each individual church as an individual person, you've got individuals in... You've got individual churches in the Catholic or Christian faith that are pro-LGBT, and you've got some that aren't. And so, you know, it's about including the people who want to be a part of it and who say we're doing good. And so, like, it's individual members of the police that are saying we want to do good, we want to do better, we want to help you, that sort of thing. I think that you can compare those two. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and what, to me, you know, what better way to change either a community or an organization than to have the people within those community mm -hmm. and organizations create the change uh, because uh, unfortunately you know where uh, people like to be in their own little tribes and it's uh, hard to influence them unless you start from inside out uh, yeah. with that tribe I think it's definitely being worked on there's a lot of pressure for the police to uh, kind of change their stance and change uh, how they behave but we can only see if that actually occurs. So talking about policing, I guess we can get into the topic of the Toronto serial killer. We'll take oh, yes. a dark turn here. <laughs> and people who are targeted. and Because we were talking about trans people, trans people of color, really being targeted by police, but also possibly ignored by police. So did you want to talk about what happened? Sure. So there was a serial killer that was caught recently in Toronto, and he had been preying on gay men in the community. And gay men had been essentially disappeared, gone. Basically, they were declared missing for a period of time. And the appearance of this whole situation looks like the police literally ignored all the major signs you know people start disappearing from the gay community and there's a uh, view of some people that uh, because these people were gay they were people of color that the police pretty much ignored all the major signs that there was a serial killer in the community and it took a while before this person was actually caught and so i think there's uh, been some criticism for the toronto police around uh, their ability to not only find the signs, even though people have reported these people missing. A few people have reported that it seems suspicious that gay men have been disappearing from the community, and especially gay men of color. So the, this criticism is out there, and I think the police chief uh, said some odd comments around maybe uh, that kind of seemed like he was victim-blaming, essentially, or mm -hmm. why these people would uh, even essentially hook up with this serial killer and their promiscuous lifestyle yes yes so um so I, I think there's a there's a few things that could be tackled in this conversation but it seemed like i don't know i i i, I don't know whether this truly is a case where the police completely just ignored these victims because they were gay and because they were 
people of color. But it definitely because they're a male. I feel like police, like I don't know if police would respond faster if a woman goes missing than if a man goes missing. I think there's still very different uh, expectations and risks that people view that women experience and that men experience. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's that could also be a factor. Yeah. But basically, it's it's not helping the Toronto police. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> with with uh, you know accusations of police brutality and now this, I think it's compiling <laughs> uh, damning evidence that there's something that needs to be changed in the Toronto police. And I think the serial killer issue sort of brought to the forefront people in the LGBT community going missing or being murdered that aren't really looked at. Like trans women are murdered very frequently every year and it's just ignored it's not really taken that seriously like so people which, really which is uh that's another way should definition of uh, trans women is is that men who become women okay yes so born male transition to female so uh i know the u.s had something like 23 or something last year that have been murdered and not solved not bothered with i think canada's a lot better i think we only had one However, that's not solved or one murder. Uh, one murder, and it is not solved. Okay. Yeah. So there may also be ones that have occurred and have been resolved. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know the exact statistics. That, that is fair. Yeah. So that community is often ignored because they are kind of the outsiders of our society that they feel like they're not taken seriously. And I think that happens a lot in our society because the issue with the serial killer is that they target people who are weak in our society. So serial killers go after people who will not be missed, who will not be noticed, that sort of thing. So trans women, people of color, indigenous women, that sort of thing, uh, so that they can get away with it longer. If we look back in time of the Picton case, so Robert Picton, who was murdering and kidnapping indigenous women. And indigenous women are not seen as, as you know, as important. And they uh, are often forgotten by society and therefore easier to kill. And so he got away with murdering, you know, uh, the numbers are unclear. He was, he was accused of murdering 20. The DNA said 80. I think he admitted to 40 or 50. He confessed to 50. So like... A large number to confess to. Yeah. So they, they're targeting these weak populations. And queer people kind of fall into these weak populations. And that's why this Toronto serial killer was able to get away with this. Is because the people that he was targeting were people who were closeted. So people who um, could not talk about it outside of their, in in their lives, and people who uh, were maybe homeless queer youth, that's a big contingent of people who go missing or murdered. And I think it's very sad that, that the police aren't able to really act on these things. Was, was the killer queer himself, or did he have any particular uh, bias against the queer community, or... Was it was he just looking to kill and unbiased, and he saw this as an opportunistic way to, to do what he wanted? Do we know any? I, I I have no idea, but I, I think that the main point here is really um, uh, the the appearance that the police did essentially fail in right. their job, right? And uh, finding and noticing the pattern until it was too late. And I don't remember how many people he managed 
damage to kill maybe like eight or something like that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, the criticism is really around uh, not noticing the signs, and uh, even though they were given complaints from the community that there are people missing, uh, but no one really kind of took it seriously. And the Toronto police were very slow to call it a serial killer because the queer community was calling it a serial killer way before the police actually admitted it. And I don't know if that's more of a PR thing right. where you don't want to make the public panic, but like there was reason in the queer community to be concerned. So, I think a lot of it is a question of whose lives are worthwhile. And Do you think that's at the conscious level within the police force, or do you think it's more of a, a subconscious thing? I, I would find it hard to believe that consciously any number of officers in the force would say, I just don't think that queer lives matter. You know, I, I doubt that that would be, or I guess you're saying that that's just kind of, that's what's born out. You know, you can see that that must be somewhere in their subconscious. I don't think it's a conscious action. I, I, I Personally, I just find it would be hard for me to think of a police officer consciously ignoring these, but I think it's a probably a combination of not being aware of their own biases uh, right. and not being aware of, I guess, of not being, not realizing that they've sh shaped their reality to really kind of focus on uh, what they believe are the priority victims. Yeah. But not realizing that if the community is telling you, you know, these people are missing, they're, they're not missing because they ran away or something. It's right. they, they're missing because they actually are missing. And there's, yeah. there's a sense of urgency in the community were to they, take action. Were there like news sources that documented this kind of stuff before it was actually like determined as a serial killer? Because I feel like it, it, it goes further than just the police. It also goes on what is in the public eye of interest, sure. right? Like. If a child goes missing, people respond very quickly, you know? I feel like if a young girl goes missing, they're going to respond much faster than a 50-year-old man. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but it's just based on, you know, what we see is who, how we see who is more vulnerable, and I guess. Or just what is news, you know? What does the public pay attention to? So it could just, so the fact that the news might not report on that could, is more representative of what the viewership of that news outlet would be interested in reading, right? So that's more like a societal problem in general. And, and back to the, you know, maybe the police's reason for taking so long, uh, I, I agree that you know they probably thought there it's more likely that within the gay community there would be other reasons they went missing, even if that's not stat statistically true. I, I would be inclined to hope that that was more the reason they didn't look into it and not because they thought, well, I, yeah, I know they're missing, but I don't value them. You know, I, I mean, I mean, oh, and there could easily be some combination of both factors. Uh, but I definitely would like to think, at least, that it was more they thought, oh, well, there must be other reasons they went missing as a, a, that aren't as serious. It's still an issue to make that assumption and not determine for yourself. Oh, of course right? it is. Like I don't yeah. think that really excuses it. It, well, it, it, it morally excuses to some extent. Because, mm. because well, intentions matter, you know? It, it, so I think there's a huge moral difference between not following it up yeah. because they don't care about the person that's missing and not thinking the person's actually missing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty clear that the police wouldn't intentionally... But I'm just saying I think there's a difference between those two things and it matters knowing 
which is the cause or to what degree both causes are, are at play. Okay. And then how so that you can address the issue in further further in the future. Is that what you're saying? Is knowing yeah. what the cause was, you, you can, can address it. You know, do more training or whatever you need to do. Yeah, so is it sensitivity training toward the homosexual heterosexual community or is it or the queer community or is it maybe sensitivity training is not going to do anything because because they already love the gay community, you know, but it, it wasn't the lack of sensitivity that was the problem. It was it was uh, their biases about the statistics surrounding the likelihood of, of people in that community going missing, you know. So so if they can know, like know, like anyone who goes missing is just as likely to be a problem. Like like that maybe that's what they should address. Like or add some kind of like a rigid rule for how they are going to follow up, you know, reports. So you know I I don't care what your own intuitions are about the, the subject. If you receive a report, the method for following it up is this. You would think it would be like that already. Well, obviously not, right? Hmm. Yeah. So they have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, um, but I feel like we need to go on to something a little bit more happier. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. This is getting me down. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, I hear um, someone's getting married at this table. Someone's oh. getting married? That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting married. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so yeah. tell us about your wedding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm getting married in the Pride Parade on the Humanist Association float. It's very exciting. Woo! The ceremony will happen as we are moving down the road. So look forward to that. Come on out to that. That's very exciting. Um, we'll all be there. It has been crazy to plan because... Nobody looks at their wedding and says, okay, I need to rent a truck that can handle pulling a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> what? I thought that's just common. That's what, everyone does that. Uh, it has been a nightmare to plan. Yeah. But I'm very excited that it's going to happen. Um, and we kind of made it happen. And there's going to be lots of people there. And wear all of your colors. Yes. Yeah. Have you got your outfit picked, Will? Not yet. I might exclude blue, though. I haven't decided. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> Let's not go there. Sorry. Still wear my police outfit now. Oh, okay. No, I, I haven't I haven't picked it out yet. Um, I'm more of a spontaneous kind of person because I find that, you know, all of the encouragement and excitement kind of boils up before the event and I like to just let that creativity kind of take me. So I have been planning my outfit. Yes. It's going to be very colorful. Is your dress finished? It is finished. Um, Tell us about your dress. <laughs> I think the people so want to know. <laughs> uh, so my dress, I got custom made at Sophie's. So I ordered like a white bridesmaid's dress. Nice and cheap. And then um, I brought in colorful tools so that the skirt is going to be like a, a pride flag almost. Just all the pride colors and stripes. It's beautiful. Very so beautiful. to see it. Mm -hmm. My shoes are going to be glittery. Uh, glittery rainbow shoes. Uh, yeah, I made those. Cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's quite the wedding. It's been interesting to plan for. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to be wearing a colorful jock strap. I'm Are you? So I am so excited for that. That's what I expect from Pride Parade. That, that was my <laughs> second time. <laughs> no. Please do. No, I'm not actually going to do that. But. <laughs> My wedding is very non-traditional. I'm ready to accept all people all who right. want to wear jock straps. <laughs> Break the boundaries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Did we want to get into issues of surrounding weddings of well, LGBT Well, I mean, people? did you run into a few things uh, during your planning? Mm. Sure, I wanted to keep it light, but we can get deep into that. Yeah, I think we're, we're well past <laughs> keeping it light. I, yeah. um, I guess the reason I think I put heteronormativity into our terminology was because I encountered a lot of that in my planning process. And I encountered a little bit of... I don't want to say anti-gay, but just really uncomfortability mm-hmm. with being gay. So I was, I went to one of the conventions that they have, the wedding conventions, where they have a whole bunch of booths set up for different vendors, and you can just go around and talk to all the vendors. And I was talking to a florist, and they were asking about my wedding, and I mentioned that I'm marrying the woman in the pride parade, and their face kind of dropped, and they were just not interested in having a conversation with me anymore. Oh. And so I was like, okay, I'm just not, I'm not going to have my wedding with you. It's interesting. Yeah. It's very different having an LGBT wedding than it would be a hetero wedding. So let's say you were getting married. You wouldn't be thinking about, I need uh, an officiant who is LGBT friendly. Um, I can't get married in a church. Mm-hmm. I can't have, uh, well, I could. I just need to find somebody who, right. who yeah. would do that for me. Uh, and it's not easy. Um, and other things like when I sign up for vendors, vendors often have a form on their website that asks the bride's name and the groom's name. So who do I decide is mm. the, br- the groom or who do I decide mm. is the bride? <laughs> yeah, so there's been a lot of weird things that you kind of have to think about. Do you know if like about. marriage licenses, do they have him and her or are they still... Like just blank names. Like name one, name, name two. One, name two I think it's blank. I haven't got my marriage certificate yet because okay. you have to wait until a certain amount of time before the wedding. So yeah. we have had to wait for that. But yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting process because you grow up as a young girl thinking yeah. about your wedding and all of the things that you want and you don't really think about like, oh... I actually need to talk to vendors and make sure they know that I'm gay before yeah. they come to the wedding so that I don't have a cake that's not going to show up. Yeah, that's right? awful. Yeah. I can't well, think of anything to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you probably haven't really thought about weddings too often. I have, yeah, so I, this is like a, a double not thought of. You know, I have thought of weddings or that situation. So. And it's hard because our culture very like inundates you with heterosexual marriages. So yeah. if you go to, let's say, chapters and you're looking to find some magazines to get some some ideas and, and stuff like that, like you're only going to see hetero magazines. You're never going to see an LGBT magazine. And I was going through these magazines and... They maybe had, the good magazines had like one couple. And you're like, yes, I get to see an LGBT wedding. Like, get to see what that would be like. Are there a lot of differences? Like, traditions, um, stuff like that. Like, it's hard. Because how do you decide who, what what you're going to wear? Or something like that. Like, people expect a tux and a dress. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, it's about deciding on things like that. I'm trying to think back of past weddings. I'm sure there's like a bunch of traditions that typically you would associate with man and woman. I guess I haven't been to weddings actually for that point. So your wedding will be my first. That's just like really exciting. (laughs) I mean, I went to one as a kid, but like I didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't Mm -hmm. get to stay for like the actual party part of it. So Well, you are also not staying for the party part. I know. (laughs) Uh, The party's (laughs) the parade. The party is the parade. We're going to be dancing and stuff, but I'm going to have like a separate reception that's just like family. I'm looking forward to the party. I apologize. You're not invited. (laughs) (laughs) Uninvited. 
No, the, it's the party part that I want to come from. I'm not. My reception will be lovely. <laughs> I have made a playlist for our dance party in the parade. It's very exciting. See, that's what I'm looking forward to. It's been an interesting. I have had so much trouble planning this because of my family being very anti-LGBT. I have oh, are some they people, really? Yes, I have some oh. very religious family that are actually against gay marriage and so has been very... they won't be at the parade. They will not be at the parade. They will be at the wedding later. They're still coming to the wedding. Yeah, so here's the, here's the deal. My mom is very, very uncomfortable with me having a wedding in the parade. She doesn't want to be in the parade. She doesn't like it. She's actually really unhappy that a lot of my wedding is going to be rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so so there's been that issue. And so she has really been on my case about having like a little ceremony maybe before the parade or like, why can't we just do like a, a ceremony on the ground? Why do we have to do it on the truck? And so I, I gave in and I am oh, giving no. her... <laughs> Everybody says that to me. It's so frustrating. Uh, it's like I want to have a relationship with my mom. Uh, I think it's fine. I feel like it's a good compromise that you guys have come. Like you're still doing what you want to do. You're still yeah. doing like, another thing on the side. Yeah. So we've got a second tiny ceremony just for like family later on before the dinner, where we'll sign the paperwork and everything. It won't be the same. We want our wedding to be the wedding in the yeah. parade. Just doesn't take anything away from anything. Right? The only issue, our guests. A lot of them, it's hard for them to come for a whole day. You're asking them to come to a parade and then a second or a second ceremony and then a dinner. So we have a lot of people who would have come for the parade and maybe like dinner afterwards at like a restaurant, but now are just deciding to come to the second ceremony. Mm -hmm. So the one ceremony that was most important to us is getting Bonks. compromised. And that is... Yeah. Well, we'll be at the more important ceremony. So. You will, yes. You will all we know be which there. one's the more important. Yeah. <laughs> so that has been a challenge for me. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, you let her walk all over you. No, and, like, you shouldn't, no. have, you shouldn't have given her that second one. But it's kind of like, what do you do? Yeah, you're right. You want to have that relationship with your mother in the future. Totally. <laughs> Listen, yeah. it just means now you have multiple parties. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a very long day. <laughs> Yeah, by the time we get to our second ceremony, we're going to be sweaty, we're going to be gross, our makeup's going to be gone. Like... <laughs> It'll add to the rainbow effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colors everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I've only been to, I think, three or four gay weddings. And You've always... been to a gay wedding? That is so yeah, exciting. Three, three or four of them. I, so I, only I've three lost, or four. I, I've kind of lost count. three or four gay weddings, <laughs> yeah. and I've been to one wedding. I've mean, never been to a wedding. Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I've never been to a gay wedding. What, like... Weddings are expensive. Oh, they are. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we have a parade, but that's a different thing. But I mean, you know, those formal weddings. Okay. I mean, so, was there a big difference for you for those gay weddings and those like hetero weddings, or were you like, um, this is a wedding? It's great, regardless. Okay, I'll be honest. The gay weddings are much more fabulous. <laughs> okay, amen, girl. <laughs> like, I, I, I'll, I will admit, if I were to rank all the weddings I've been to, the gay ones were. At the top. <laughs> because I feel like, number one, they they know how to party. People are, like, super chillax. Like, I, that's how I would describe it. Very chillax. <laughs> and they're just... They're, it's not very, uh, very formal and very... Yeah, yeah. Strict. Like it's less traditional. traditional. Yeah, it's very fluid. People go with the flow. And a couple of the gay weddings were very 
fabulously decorated, <laughs> which is expected. But... Can I ask you a question about these yeah. weddings? Were they men getting married? Uh, all, yes, all of the ones I've been to were men. I can't. I know this is a stereotype, but they, the men have like more fabulous kind of weddings. Uh, and I feel like when the women get married, it's much more like budgeted and like, let's just do trend. this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been yeah. to a gay wedding that was more budget, uh, but and it was so budget that uh, walking down the aisle, we were like walking to like some rock song uh, oh, because they were, they were very, uh, they were very hetero in quotations. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so, so much so that um, it didn't even feel like a real wedding because it just felt like two guys kind of like, <laughs> you know, crammed together some kind of event. And, but I'm going to be walking down the aisle to a pop song. Is that bad? Should I not no, be that? Okay. No, that's great. I've walked, I, I've definitely seen that happen okay. in pop song. I've just been to one that was so Guitar wrong. solo. <laughs> which was, which was, I'm just like, Wow, this is very, uh, this is very bro. <laughs> That's interesting. So there's different types, and you know they're all they're all great. I guess so it's all individual. Yeah, no, like you have to pick what suits you, right? It suits mm-hmm. your personality. I mean, these guys were very, very bro. <laughs> have you been to traditional gay weddings? Uh, yeah, uh, more like formal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've been to more formal ones, but it's usually, but they always transition. It's always mm. like between the ceremony and the first half of reception, it's pretty formal. And then sometime like between nine and 10, <laughs> things kind of transition. I like that. It's like surprise. Well, well, the mini bar. They basically wait until grandma and grandpa go to bed. And yeah. then, okay. okay, get the rainbows out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think gay weddings are better. We know what to do. <laughs> we know how to party. Yeah. It, do, it just seems more uh, open. People are a little more mm-hmm. relaxed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that Andre Lachance, our humanist officiant in our group, mm-hmm. he's going to be officiating my wedding. He kind of mentioned, like, do you have anyone in that's coming to the wedding that you think might stand up and say, I'm opposed to this wedding? <laughs> That'll make it even more fun, though. <laughs> So it put this fear in my head, but I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna stand up and say they're opposed. Do you, do you so, think that's a humanist thing, though, or do you think that's like an LGBT thing that he was asking that question? Like, no, probably well, he, LGBT. you know what, he kind of said that like he has done weddings for people who are religious, and you know that that question was asked again, like mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure. So hypothetically, what happens if that? Happens. Like, do we do we do we you? need like super soakers? Like, <laughs> yeah. to, like, <laughs> We're just holding it away. Please, Grandma. Please. <laughs> I, yes, I need a security contingent, yeah. and we need to all bring super soakers. Yeah. That'd be fun. Multicolored dyes in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just nowhere near me. If you're gonna have multicolored yeah, okay. dyes in the water, please. Yeah. You're colorful enough. Well, I have some white in my dress, so if you ruin that, okay. you are out. I won't be invited to the family reception. Wait. Yeah, so I think I think that fear is legitimate. I think that's maybe why a lot of gay people elope, is they just don't want to have to deal what, with it. What happens when someone objects? Like, does, I've never does that ever even that. have a thing? Like, I feel like that's some weird old formality, but like... It doesn't mean anything. Like, get married anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just keep going. Like, why do you... <laughs> but it ruins... Does he ask that? Is that part of the ceremony? Does he have to ask? Does anyone object? Yes, he does. It's 
legally he has to ask it. Really? Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't really mean anything. It's such a weird thing to still include. I'd be like, legally, take that out. <laughs> yeah, if somebody's shown up and they've sat through that half of your ceremony before getting to that it's part, commitment. before speaking up, yeah, it's definitely commitment. I'm waiting for my moment. <laughs> God, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> but it may not just be, it could be like, oh, that person is still married, but why did you sit there that whole time and wait for that? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I might just be weird, but like, I would enjoy that. You know, like, I'd be looking forward to that. I'd be like, listen, I'm gonna do that at your wedding. <laughs> you free, honestly. Hey, I mean, I want to speak for Selena or whoever else. You know, what? <laughs> well, I thought she's been talking me into a gay wedding, though, so I, you know, like, I wasn't talking you into a gay wedding. No, I, it's, it's settled. It sounds so much better. <laughs> Look over at me while you guys are talking. Like, hey, Selena, we're gonna have a gay wedding. <laughs> 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 you, you just need some uh, gay wedding planners. Okay, okay. So. that seems a little bit. Yeah. That's a good compromise. Yeah. Yeah, right. Please, I'm not being your wedding planner. That was the most horrible thing I've ever had to go through. <laughs> I'm not planning another wedding It'd ever be again. Planning someone else's wedding. You know, you don't, you don't have to worry about it. So like, you took the lead on your wedding planning. I did take the lead. Yes, Allie wants. Very little to do with the planning. It makes her anxious, <laughs> and she's worried very much about the the funds that we have to dedicate to this wedding. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very low budget wedding. I've tried to do everything I could to kind of nickel and dime. Yeah, we have plastic tablecloths at our family reception, which is great. And oh, did she go for those paper ones where you can like draw on them? I was like, that's what's yeah. I considered that. Did you literally consider? Love that. <laughs> okay, I can see that might not fly with everyone, but I'm so glad you considered. That. If you I really object, write it on the napkin. <laughs> <laughs> write, write yourself an angry like letter that you don't send. You know, like, exactly. You can voice your opinion, and you don't ever read it because you just yeah multi <laughs> multicolored pencil crayon that they have to. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think my mom would have liked the paper tablecloth, so I kept it to plastic. That was my that was my compromise, mm -hmm. keeping it cheap. So Rain I, it's rainbow, right? So. No, oh. they're pink. I like the look of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it went with my decor. So okay. Yeah, but uh, I did all the planning. It was tough. I don't recommend it. <laughs> if you are in a couple, please try and do 50-50. It's awful if you can't. Just wing it. You know, it's... <sighs> I'm regretting not getting eloped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so worth it, though. It's gonna be so it will fun. be. It will be. And Pride's our favorite day of the year, so we're very excited for this. And I'm going to cry, so if you're going to cry, also wear waterproof mascara. Will, you've got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> Multicolored jock strap. <laughs> Waterproof mascara. Super soaker. Super soaker. I think we need them as yeah. a security precaution. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> especially when we reach that part in the parade where we get to the people who are protesting Ooh, the parade. Especially. Especially. Yes. They are my favorite, actually. Are they really? They, they are my favorite it because I just. Love it when they have spelling mistakes, <laughs> grammatical errors in their signs. It's just, it's great. It's my favorite part. Oh, the children are here. <laughs> it makes me angry, and I hate to give them that pleasure of like making me angry. It just makes me angry. There's usually some really great people though who follow those people with like even more ridiculous signs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. The counter protesters. Yeah. About like vegetables. I remember one year, and it was like <laughs> broccoli is a sin or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, following this guy everywhere he 
funny. And I think everyone just was like, oh, look at that. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, this guy's song gets ignored. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that people do that. Yeah. yeah. I am, I'm usually not that close to them that I see that sort of thing. I'm usually walking in the parade or standing to the side, like, watching it, so I don't really mm-hmm. follow them. They still make me angry, though. Like, why show up? Why bother? We're in 2018 now. Like, let's get over it. Yeah, so if you're coming to my wedding, come on July 29th. The parade starts at 12.30, so... I can't remember last year if we met like an hour early, but show up maybe at least a half hour early just to get there, find out where we are, check your email. We'll be emailing everybody all of the information. Yeah, wear your your wonderful colors. Be ready to be festive. If you want to wear a Hala shirt, you can definitely wear one of those. We have have ordered the Hala shirts. We have Hala shirts if you would like to wear them. People have not requested to buy them yet, so I think that it's going to be limited and who wears it. First come, first serve. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very okay. exciting. Come on out and join us. Excellent. So uh, after the Pride Parade, we've got a few things going on. On August 26th, we have our next board game night. We're meeting at the Poacher's Arms Pub starting at 7.30. Uh, come on out. You don't have to bring anything. They have drinks and food there if you'd like to purchase it. And they have lots of games that they provide to us. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So come on out and join us for that. There is also our next humanist meeting that is in September, on September September 12th. So there is no August meeting. Please don't show up at the library in August. No or one will be there. Yes. So nobody will be there. Please don't show up in August. Show up in September. We'll come back after our wonderful summer break with lots of tans and a little wedding glow on me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so come on out to that as well. Okay, so before we wrap up, uh, maybe we can give some recommendations on, I know we kind of talked about a few, uh, not too dark, but kind of, we kind of fell into a little bit of a a dark hole. (laughs) I think Um, you have to when you talk about these things. We have to talk about struggle. But let's talk about something maybe more uplifting, but I just want to maybe see if anyone has has any like recommendations in terms of uh, further readings or information. But basically for me, my recommendation is uh, I watched this movie uh, maybe a couple of months ago called Love, Simon. Uh, okay, it's kind of a high school movie, but I think it's amazing because it's uh, basically a gay kid. He's the star and lead of the entire movie, and it's basically about him coming out in high school and trying to... And he, he basically starts up an online uh, relationship and conversation with someone from his school. He doesn't know who it is. And the whole movie is basically him trying to find out who this person is. So it's kind of taking all your uh, 80s and 90s kind of high school pop culture movies, but they just kind of change the cast around to be uh, more inclusive, having a gay character, a, a gay lead, and also having uh, people of color in it as well to kind of uh, create some variety and create some diversity in that movie. So uh, I really liked it because I just thought it was, you know, it's a happy-go-lucky kind of movie and uh, kind of just kind of shows it's pretty inclusive. So It works well for kids as well as adults because I found, like, even watching it myself, I kind of got that nostalgic feel of like the mm. '90s movies mm. that you were talking about, and it was a lot of fun. It's a it's a really cute movie. A few tears were shed. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I was in the theater watching it, and 
it was really weird that I was sitting with my friends who are, you know, around my age, and then we were surrounded by high school girls, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all ooing and aahing. I was like, I feel a little bit out of place. But it's not dangerous anymore, so you can watch it cover your home <laughs> without, you know, teenage girls screaming. <laughs> I also recommend that movie. It was good. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I would separately like to recommend something. So in my research for wedding stuff, I came across uh, the first only lesbian wedding magazine. Uh, it's it's out of Australia, but they do ship worldwide. It's amazing. It's got all lesbian content. It's all, all women getting married. Uh, it's a very beautiful magazine. They just started it within the last few months, so I think they only have wow. a really couple. Recent. Yeah, I think they only have a couple. They have two volumes out, so there's two volumes to go and look at. It's amazing. I think it's great that queer people are getting out there making their way through this very hetero wedding society and making our mark. That's so. actually really good for Australia because they yeah. only recently got uh, marriage equality. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty recent for them. So. Yeah. So the magazine is called Dancing With Her. Yeah. And I think that in their upcoming volumes, they're going to have more weddings from Australia as well mm-hmm. because now it's legal. So mm-hmm. yeah, a lot more celebration for that. Cool. I would also recommend going to the Grand Theater High School project this year. Um, those projects are always really great, but this year um, they're doing Prom Date, which is uh, based on, I think, a personal experience. I'm not sure if it's actually it, a personal experience. It, yeah, it's based on that high school kid who yeah. wanted to go to prom at a Catholic school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he wanted to bring his boyfriend, so it's yeah. kind of about that. So it's also great seeing that the community is also kind of embracing that and celebrating that. Do you know when that's happening? I know it's always at the very beginning because I know they work, the students, they work in the summer on that. So I'm assuming it's in the beginning of September. No worries. I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah. So uh, if, uh, anything we mention, uh, you can find any links to either the magazine or uh, the show in our show notes. So uh, I think that's it for us. So thanks so much for listening. And check in episode. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Like, like capitalized letters so it actually says like the gay agenda somehow. No? I'm hungover. Leave me alone.